Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the sound of suspense. Welcome to the fear you can hear. But mostly to the world of terrifying imagination. In the next 52 minutes, you'll hear a story about truth. Everyone is in favor of truth, of course. It's a word which produces immediate reverence and respect. But sometimes the truth can be a terrible thing, even a shattering thing. I didn't see her. I didn't, I didn't see her crossing the road. Is she alive? Oh, Mark, look at the way she's lying there. Lorna, oh, she must God. be dead. Oh. Lorna, you mustn't tell anyone. Please, you mustn't tell anyone. Our mystery drama, The Ring of Truth, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Henry Slusser and stars Agnes Moorhead. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Some beer drinkers have funny ideas about beer. They think beer improves with age, like wine. Well, find a brewmaster, though. You'll find a beer drinker who knows better. The Budweiser Brewmaster says it all depends on how beer is aged. Just letting beer sit in lagering tanks makes it older, not necessarily better. That even goes for keeping a case around the house for a couple of months. But there is one kind of aging that's good for beer. The Budweiser kind. Beechwood aging. In this kind of aging, something happens. It lets all the flavor of the choicest hops and best barley malt that go into Budweiser get through to you. Sure, it takes more time and trouble to brew Budweiser that way, but brewing beer right does make a difference. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis. Hey, Ma, what's for dinner? ShopRite has a beautiful buy to help you serve dinner. Fine imported porcelain china. The beautifully crafted Lovelace pattern by Crown Victoria. An elegant white-on-white platinum-banded pattern to complement any table. Now available only at ShopRite. The basic place-setting pieces, dinner plate, cup and saucer, dessert plate, and bread and butter plate, are just 39 cents. 39 cents each with every $3 purchase. A different place-setting piece is featured each week at this special price. You'll want to collect all the magnificent completer pieces and matching ovenware available every week at low prices, too. Visit ShopRite and start your set of lovely porcelain china today. It's a beautiful buy. Hey, Ma, what's for dinner? ShopRite has the answer. Offer not available in Westchester, Ulster, Orange, Dutchess, and Columbia counties. Now, here's Act One of The Ring of Truth. The place, a charming college town in New England. The people you're about to meet, young Lorna Kittredge, and the special man in her life, Mark Kramer. His driving speed, a comfortable 30 miles an hour. I'll tell you what I resent most about your father, Lorna. 
It's the fact that he deliberately keeps forgetting my name. Ah, don't be so silly. Daddy has a genuine problem about names. No, no, I'm sorry, darling. I just can't buy this absent-minded professor stuff. It's too corny. Corny or not, that's exactly what my father is sometimes. Absent-minded. His mind is always up in the stratosphere somewhere. Communing with Socrates or Schopenhauer on the meaning of truth. <laughs> you you just don't like my father very much. I hardly know your father. Look, I want to get along with him, Lorna. After all, he's going to be my father-in-law, isn't he? You're almost home. What can I do to put you in a better mood? That's easy, darling. You can promise to tell him tonight. Oh, Mark. Tonight? Why not? But I told you that the prize are going to be at dinner tonight. How prize Daddy's publisher. So, after they leave, you can tell him. Lorna, we've been engaged for almost three weeks now. Nobody knows about it except you and me. Well, isn't that enough? Not for me, it isn't. No. I'm the kind of guy who wants to shout it from the housetops. Yes, I do, too. I really do, Mark. I love you so much. All right, darling. And prove it. Tell him tonight, Lorna. Tell him you're going to marry what's-his-name. You're quite right, Harold. What the book needs is a much sexier title. Well, of course, there isn't a word about sex in it, but what's the difference as long as it sells? Huh? What's the latest <laughs> book about? Why, truth, of course. Daddy's favorite subject. Should be everyone's favorite subject, in my opinion. You know, if you really want a suggestion for a new title, Professor, I think I have one. Do you, Max? Daddy, the name is Mark. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I, I'm sorry, Mark. Well, uh, go on, let's hear your suggestion. Why not call it The Ring of Truth? Well, I think that's a very good name, but, uh, of course, that's up to Professor Kittredge. It's uh, not a bad title, Mark, but uh, well, it does imply a lack of sincerity, doesn't it? The ring of truth is only the surface appearance of it. What I'm examining in my book is the necessity for stark truth, for truth I'm afraid. Of course, there's a fairly good argument against stark truth sometimes, isn't there? I mean, there's still a necessity for a white lie now and then. You mean in the real estate business, perhaps? No, no, not just in my business, in everyone's. I mean, there are times when tact and courtesy and general goodwill call for a shading of the truth. Uh, may I make a suggestion, everyone? Why don't we have our coffee in the living room? It's a good idea, darling. No, George, I want to... Uh, I'll give you a hand with the dishes, honey. Besides, I'd like a little conversation with you in the kitchen. All right, Mark. I know what you're going to say. Daddy was impossible tonight. Now, your father's a great scholar, man of ideals, the Albert Schweitzer of New England. I'm only a poor schnook of a real estate oh, man, but I'm perfectly willing to put up with him for your sake. Put up with him? It won't be easy. A crass, materialistic guy like me marrying into all that saintliness? What can I do? I'm crazy about his daughter. You idiot. <laughs> oh, Mark, my hands are wet. Will you tell him tonight? Yes, the minute everyone leaves. He's not going to be happy about it, you know that. He won't be happy about losing you. Well, he knew it had to happen someday. All right, then tell him that day has come. Tell him the truth. I always tell Daddy the truth. <laughs> Can I come in? Uh, yes, darling, of course. I didn't want to interrupt your reading. Oh, I can't really read this book. I don't understand the language. Have you seen it, by the way? Hmm? Still another edition, German, of the Seven Secrets of Shakespeare. Oh, it's lovely. 
What a beautiful binding. Yes, I'm pleased with it. I suppose an author never loses his affection for the first book he writes. Well, it's more than just that. This book made you famous. <laughs> In very limited circles, yes. And I hope you've enjoyed the evening and that you friend it too. The only thing Mark didn't like was being called Max. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Precious. I hope he wasn't offended. Which I have to admit that you do bring home a lot of young men. Daddy, that may have been true once. But Mark Kramer is the only man I've seen for the last six months. That long? And the reason I've seen him so much is that... I'm in love with him. Well, that isn't an entirely new phenomenon either, is it? Daddy, Mark asked me to marry him. I said yes. Marriage? You know that word, don't you? It's English, not German. Yes, I know the word, but... Uh, well, it's just that I never supposed you'd want to marry now. I mean, before your doctorate, before you've done all those things we plan to do together? Marriage wouldn't put an end to our plans. And as for your lecture tour, but you don't really need me along. I don't know if I'd want to go without you. I'm getting a little old to gallivant around Europe by myself. Well, it's the first time I've heard you complain about being old. Uh, for some reason, the last ten seconds, I began to feel old. Of course, Mark and I could go with you to Europe. As a sort of honeymoon. Uh, no, Lorna, he's not going to want that, I'm sure. In fact, my guess is that your young man is going to want to see as little of me as he possibly can. No, Daddy, that isn't so. He knows that I won't just abandon you. I couldn't be that heartless. That's the last word I'd use about you, precious. I know your heart only too well. I know what a tender, beating little thing it is. I've always been afraid of the man who would trap it someday. I just wish you knew Mark better. He's not a I'm not star. saying anything against Mark. I'd feel this way about any man. I'm like the tired old king of the fairy tale, darling. Forced by the condition of kingdom to give the hand of his princess to a commoner. Oh, Daddy. Daddy. Mark, you're just being pig-headed. It won't even be six months. And by that time, I'll have my doctorate and Daddy's lecture tour will be over. Oh, that's great. Just, just great. Wait a where's that drink I ordered? Mark, I've never seen you have more than two martinis in my life. Oh, you're wrong, my love. I had one before you got here. The one coming up will be number four. Mark, please, don't be so upset. I'm not breaking our engagement. I'm simply asking for a postponement. How long did he take to talk you into it, Lana? Well, it was something I decided to do, Mark. All by myself. Did you realize how important it was? To get your Ph.D.? To make sure Daddy was taken care of on his lecture tour? But it is important to me. You know, you're a lucky girl to have a father like that. Now, you take my old man. Good old Charlie Kramer. Real estate. <laughs> I don't think he ever heard of an ethic or an ideal in his life. Probably told a dozen lies a day, old Charlie. I guess that's why he turned out so badly. You're drinking too much. You always do when you're angry. Just another flaw in my character. Hardly noticeable in the general ruin of my personality. Please, Mark, I don't want you to be drunk to drive me home. Oh, don't worry, I won't even have that fourth drink. See what a nice guy I am? I want to make sure you get home to Daddy safe and sound. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Mark, are you sure you don't want me to drive? No, you just leave the driving to us. It's starting to rain. I think you should turn your wipers on. That isn't rain, Precious. Those are tears in front of your eyes. Please, Mark. All right, all right. You have to drive so fast. I know there isn't any traffic, but these roads are so dark. That's what the headlights are for. How far these little candles throw their beams so shines a good deed in a naughty world. Hey, you see, your father isn't the only one who can quote you. Ah! What? Look out! That woman! Where? Oh! You hit her! Oh, Lord! I didn't see her. I didn't see her crossing the road, so help me. Is she dead? Oh, Lord, look at the way she's lying there. She's dead, Lorna. Oh. The woman's dead. Oh, no. Well, well, I told you not to drive so fast. Oh, Daddy, it was so awful. And it was my fault. My fault that Mark drank so much. He really doesn't like whiskey very much, but when I told him about what we decided about postponing the wedding... You mean what you decided, darling... (laughs) It was your decision. He was driving so recklessly. He must have been going 60 miles an hour on that road. His speed limit there was only about 30. You haven't arrested him, have they? No. But the police were called, weren't they? Yes, yes. They know Mark, of course. He's lived here all his life. Didn't they give Mark a sobriety test? No. Nobody even suggested it. I mean... Mark didn't seem to be drunk at all. Not after it. And of course, he didn't say he'd been drinking. He didn't mention the speed he was traveling at. Well, they asked him. Mark said he was going 35, and the woman just stepped out in front of him. I see. He had to say it, Daddy. I mean, otherwise it would have been a crime, wouldn't it? I think it's called vehicular homicide. Well, he could go to prison for that, couldn't he? Perhaps. Donna, what did you say? What? What did you tell them when the police talked to you about the accident? They didn't. They didn't ask me anything. They said there would be an inquest to determine the facts. I suppose I'd have to answer questions then. And what will you say then? Oh, I... I I don't know. I mean, I, I have to corroborate Mark's story, of course. Is that what you're going to do? Oh, well, if you could have seen his face, Daddy, he was like a child. Like a little boy, afraid to be punished. He said, you stand by me, Lorna, won't you? And so you're going to stand by him. You're going to forget all you ever learned about truth. You're going to lie. But, Daddy, what else can I do? I can't advise you, my darling. All I can do is remind you that you and I have always loved truth as much as we've loved each other. Are you going to change now? And so Lorna finds herself in the corner of a triangle. The man she loves on one side, the father she loves on the other. But the invisible corner of the triangle is that mysterious thing called truth. We'll find out what Lorna Kittredge does when I return shortly with Act Two. And now another tale of the ball and chain. At Kellogg's 
Presents overweight on an overnight train. Is the seat taken? Please, sit down. Mm. You have exceptional legs. Oh. Uh, but why is one of them attached to a ball and chain? This ball and chain? It's a symbol. Funny, I would have sworn it was a ball and chain. I mean symbolic. Because carrying around a few extra pounds can be just like lugging around this ball and chain. I see. May I suggest something? Uh-huh. Try a bowl of Special K skim milk, orange juice, and coffee. It's the Special K breakfast. Will it make me lose weight? No. Oh. You must also exercise and eat smart at every meal. I see. Do you know the Special K breakfast is less than 240 calories, 99% fat-free, and delicious? No, but if you hum a few bars... Oh. And that's another tale of the ball and chain. Your happy ending could begin with the Kellogg's Special K breakfast. That's Kellogg's Special K. Good night. This is W.O.R. New York, your mystery theater station. No matter what you're saving for, that's what suburban savings for suburban. Suburban Savings offers you a regular savings account with flexibility. You can add any amount to your account whenever you wish. Withdraw whenever you want. Suburban Savings pays a 5.25% annual interest rate on regular savings paid quarterly, which earns an annual effective yield of 5.47%. Interest is compounded continuously from day of deposit to day of withdrawal, as long as $50 is maintained in the account to the end of the quarter. Come into Suburban Savings and open an account with flexibility. Our regular savings account in New Jersey at Bayonne, Edgewater, Elmwood Park, Emerson, Hackettstown, Morris Plains, Nutley, Paramus, and Sparta. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Will that familiar saying work in the case of Mark Kramer? It may all depend on the outcome of the next conversation you hear in the home of Professor John Kitteridge and his daughter. Daughter? May I come in? Yes, Daddy. Huh. All dressed already? Yes. I know I don't have to leave for the county courthouse for another hour, but I... I was too nervous to just lie in bed. Why don't you come downstairs and have some breakfast with no. me? No. No, I couldn't. I, I feel too sick. My poor kitty. <laughs> you know, I haven't called you that since you were a little child. Or don't you remember me calling you that? No, not really. You see, before you were born, I wanted to name you Catherine. But your mother objected because she was certain you'd be nicknamed Kitty. Then you'd be Kitty Kitteridge. And she hated the sound of it. You've told me the story before. I know you're not in the mood for old family anecdotes. All I can think about is that inquest this morning. I'm so frightened. My skin feels like ice. Darling, you won't have to be frightened if you do what I said. It's only lying that makes us afraid. Please. Please don't talk about it. I have to lie for Mark. I love him. I'm going to marry him. Do you think the others will lie? The bartender at that restaurant? Or was that... What was the name of that again? Bruno's. Yes. He'll defend Mark. I'm sure he will. They don't like trouble. They had some license problem last year. They won't want to admit that they served Mark so many drinks that he was hardly able to walk. 
to say nothing of drive. I'm sorry. So you're the only one who has to lie. Daddy, the woman is dead. Nothing will bring her back. Lies, truths, nothing. Who does it help if Mark goes to prison? Yes. You're right, precious. There's no profit in truth. None at all. Then you agree with me. No profit, Lorna. Only loss, maybe. But that's something you'll have to judge for yourself. You know my feeling about truth. You know what I've always taught you about it. Yes. Dare to be true. Nothing can need a lie. A fault which needs it most grows too thereby. You used to like that poem. Now you're quoting it with contempt. Oh, Daddy. Why can't you understand? Why do you have to be so demanding? Let me forget truth just this once. Your mind is your own, Lorna. Well, I want to do what's right. And do what you want to do. You're an adult now, independent of me. Lie if you want to. But don't look for my approval. And above all, don't ask for my blessing. Daddy! Let's have some quiet. The coroner's jury has to hear the testimony if they're going to judge it. Sergeant McKeon... Was any investigation made of the skid marks at the scene of the accident with a view to determining the speed of the vehicle? I know, sir, there wasn't. The uh, condition of the road and the rain we had that night, well, it was uh, impossible to tell the difference between the skid marks and the tire treads. Uh, That's why no measurement was made. It's uh, been stated that the driver of the vehicle, Mark Kramer, had left the establishment called Bruno's shortly before the accident. Since Bruno's is in the business of serving hard liquor, among other things, did the uh, police give Mr. Kramer a sobriety test? Uh, no, sir, we didn't. You see, sir, we didn't know at the time where Mr. Kramer had been. All we knew was that Mrs. Moga was dead and Mr. Kramer didn't appear like he'd been drinking. All right, Sergeant, you can step down. Thank you, sir. The uh, coroner's office calls Mr. Kramer to the stand, please. <laughs> Mr. Kramer... This inquest isn't a trial. Our duty here is simply to determine the cause of death. But you must give your testimony under oath. Uh, Please raise your hand on the Bible. Yes, sir. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. All right, Mr. Kramer. Just tell us your story of what happened the night of the accident. Well, Miss Kittredge and I left Bruno's about nine that evening, about a half hour before the accident. I'd had one drink, a vodka martini. You can ask Mr. Bruno about that because he served me. Go on. When I reached Route 24, I decided to take the Ridge Road shortcut to town. I was traveling between 30 and 35 miles an hour, I'd say, and I remember slowing down when the rain started. Had my wipers going when I came over the rise of the hill, so my windshield was clear. But I still didn't see Mrs. Moger when she stepped out into the road directly in front of the car. Were your lights on full beam? Yes, sir, they were. Why do you suppose Mrs. Moger didn't see them? I don't really know. What I think is, she was almost across the road when I came over the rise, and and she panicked when she realized that a car was coming. She started back in the wrong direction, and that was when she stepped in front of the car. 
Is that your entire testimony? Yes, sir, it is. Very well, Mr. Kramer. You can return to your seat. Will Miss Lorna Kittredge take the chair, please? Place your hand on the Bible, Miss Kittredge. Yes. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? Yes, I do. Please speak up, Miss Kittredge. I do. Miss Kittredge, you were with Mr. Kramer on the night of the accident. Yes. You went with him to the place called Bruno's. Yes, I did. And did you have a drink that night? Yes, I had a martini. The same as Mr. Kramer? Yes. When Mr. Kramer's car approached Mrs. Moga's driveway, did you see the lady before the automobile struck her? I'm not sure. I, I think I saw her for just a split second. And then the car hit her. It was all terribly unreal. Were you aware of the speed you were traveling at? Miss Kittredge? I'm not sure of the exact speed. Mr. Kramer thinks it was between 30 and 35. Do you agree with that? No. What was that? It couldn't have been that. It was more like... 55 or 60. Did you say 60, Miss Kittredge? About that, yes. Lorna, for God's sake. I hope you've considered this reply, Miss Kittredge. Yes, I've considered it. We were traveling at least that. I'd been looking at the speedometer only a few minutes before. I was complaining to Mark about his speed, but he wouldn't listen to me. He wasn't in any mood to listen. He was angry and he was drunk. Please, everybody, quiet now. Mr. Kramer, please take your seat. It's the truth. The truth, I, I can't help myself. He was drinking. He had too many martinis and he was drunk. Are you telling us he had more than one drink? He had four. I know he did. And he drove like a madman. No matter how I tried to stop him, he never thought that woman would be on the road at that time of night. <laughs> he wouldn't listen. I couldn't believe it was really happening. It was like hearing someone else say the words. Please don't cry, Kitty. I, I tried not to look at his face. I tried so hard not to see him, but I, I couldn't stop myself. How can you blame yourself for telling the simple truth? How can you think it's wrong? But don't you realize what will happen to him, Daddy? He's going to be indicted. He may go to prison. I'm sure Mr. Kramer will hire himself a very smart attorney. Who's that? I have no idea. Oh, I can't see anyone now. I just can't. Yes, of course. Uh, you go to your room and I'll answer it. Uh, go on, darling. Go lie down. Yes. Oh, it's you. I want to see Lorna. Mark, please listen to me. I know exactly how you're feeling at the moment. Thanks for remembering my name, Professor. That must be the very first time. I'm sure you realize that what Lorna did this morning was extremely difficult and painful for her. That it was an agonizing decision. Only who made it? Lorna's lying down right now. I suggest you try telephoning her later. I'm not leaving until I see her. I... I had hoped we wouldn't get violent about all this, Mark. Frankly, I don't think you're in a good position to commit any other rash actions. Daddy... It's all right. Lorna, I, I thought you were in your I'll room. I'll talk to Mark. Very well. 
But don't ask me to leave because I won't. You don't have to leave, Professor. I'd like you to know this, too. Know what? What the town gossips are saying. Lorna, they're saying that we had some kind of fight. A lover's quarrel and that you wanted to get back at me. Oh, you know that's not so. Yes, I know it. But the other explanation makes even less sense. That you just had to tell the truth. Well, it wasn't easy for me. Lies would have been easier. One small lie, Lorna. That was all you had to say. You're so afraid of hell that you wouldn't lie for me? I'd expect you to understand. But I do understand. Better than you do, maybe. It was your father's idea. Now, just a moment, Kramer. Well, you remember my last name, too. I think I made more of an impression on you than you were willing to admit. There's no need to be nasty. Lorna, you're so stuck on the truth. Tell it now. He told you what to do in that courtroom. Professor Kittredge's little girl always listens to Daddy, and she never lies. Please, Mom. He insisted that you tell the truth, didn't he? He gave you a lot of high-flown ethical reasons for telling the truth. Nothing but the truth. Every reason but the real one. You're wrong. I made up my own mind. Your father knew what would happen. It would split us apart, and that's what he really wanted, Loner. That's the truth that he didn't mention. I think that's quite enough. If you don't leave right now, I'm calling the police. Don't bother, Professor. You've done a very good job on Lorna and on me. Daddy. Daddy. Kitty, don't. It's going to be all right. How can it be? He hates me now. Mark hates me. Things will change. You wait and see. He'll get himself a smart lawyer and nothing will happen to him. Mark Kramer, having been found guilty of the crime of manslaughter, it is my duty to sentence you to imprisonment for a period of not less than one year... And not more than five. And so the truth has not set Mark Kramer free. It sent him to prison, where he'll have plenty of time to ponder the complexities of ethics, justice, and human nature. Or perhaps he'll ponder something else, like revenge... We'll find out when I return shortly with Act Three. I'm High Brown, producer of Radio Mystery Theater, and this is the end of our last week of prize drawings. Just send us your name and address tonight to be eligible for one of 50 prizes, two AM-FM stereophonos, two travel clock radios, and 46 anthologies of modern suspense. We've been most gratified by the program comments so far. So, if you have a chance to write, we hope you will. And let us know a bit about you. Who you are, what you do, how old you are. But your name and address are enough. To Mystery Theater, Box 50, Radio City Station, New York, 10019. That's Box 50, Radio City Station, New York, 10019. Entries must be postmarked no later than tonight, the 26th. Offer good everywhere unless locally prohibited. This is WOR New York, your station for the Mystery Theater. An invitation. This is Peter Roberts. Join us Sunday morning, 8.15 to 10 here on WOR for Rambling with Roberts. Two hours of music, especially selected for Sunday morning listening pleasure, along with uh, old bits of weather information, news headlines... Uh, bits of trivia, such as the fact that uh, 
A man from Onoa, Iowa, received a patent for what he called Eskimo pie, which was ice cream coated with chocolate. It all happened in 1922. It may not seem like very much in the way of history, but it does take place, these little bits of trivia and information, on Rambling with Roberts. So, of a Sunday morning, make a note. 8.15 to 10, right here at 7.10 on your dial, come Rambling with Roberts. You don't have to give us an RSVP. Just be on hand. Thank you. It's now one year later. Sad to say, Mark Kramer is still wearing prison gray. As for Professor Kitteridge, he's had problems too. A bad case of the gout caused cancellation of his European lecture tour. Even more disappointing, his daughter Lorna lost interest in working on her thesis and abandoned the idea of obtaining her doctorate. In fact, Lorna Kitteridge seems to have lost interest in life itself. Lorna? You awake? Yes, Daddy. I'm up. Darling, it's almost noon. It's not like you to be in bed so late. Uh, I just didn't feel like getting up. Did you sleep badly again last night? Last night, the night before. night before that. Oh, Lorna. If you don't see Dr. Isaacs voluntarily, I may have to drag you to his office. You know there's nothing wrong with me. What's all this paper for? All those little crumpled balls. Can't you guess? Oh, Lorna, no. You haven't been writing Mark again. I keep thinking that I might hit on exactly the right words. The magic formula that would make him answer one letter. Just one letter. You know that's not possible, darling. Face it, the man is filled with bitterness. He blames you for something he did to himself. Probably never reads any of the letters I send him. Probably sees my handwriting and... Tears them up immediately. It would be so much better if you forgot him, Lorna. Do you know that I even thought of sending him a disguise letter? Making it look like some important document that he would have to read? Isn't that ridiculous? What's ridiculous is the way you've tortured yourself over that man for so many months. Who's tortured who, Daddy? Which one of us is really guilty? Oh, Kitty, Kitty. Stop calling me that name. My name is Lorna. Can't you remember my name? Darling, you're just not yourself. Is that why you can't remember me? Because I'm somebody else? Well, you you may be right, Daddy. Every morning I look in the mirror and I can't recognize the woman I see. Lonnie, you're just not giving yourself a chance to forget. You'd start getting out into the world, start meeting new people. You'd become a hermit. I thought you liked having me here, Daddy. I thought you couldn't live without my company. I honestly believe you need medical attention. If not from Dr. Isaacs, then from somebody else. You mean a psychiatrist, I suppose. No, darling, no. Just someone who can help you get over this. Distorted guilt that you feel. The only one who can do that is Mark. And he won't see me or write me or anything. No, no. Oh, please go away. Please. I'm going to try to sleep. It's the only time I'm happy. When I'm asleep. 
step right over here, Kramer. Anything you say, guard. Remember, visiting time is limited to 15 minutes. Look, I don't want the 15 minutes. They're being forced on me. Sit down and behave yourself. Yes, sir. Anything you say, sir. Well, no, Mark. Make it fast, Professor. I've got important matters to take care of back in the shop. I'm making a very special license plate. Mark, I know you resent the fact that I've forced this encounter. Took some doing, believe me. Uh Uh-huh. Why did you go to all the trouble? Because it's a matter of health. Lorna's health. She's pining away for me, is that it? Well, tell her to stop, Professor. My nights are filled with sweet dreams, and she is in none of them. You tell her that for me. I want you to see her, Mark. Oh, I wouldn't force that issue, Professor. I don't have anything nice to say to your daughter. You misunderstood, Lorna. Couldn't expect you to applaud what she didn't court. But if you really thought about the ideals that motivated her... Whose ideals? Yours or hers? Do I have to separate them? Yes. But you can't, Professor. Because she's your monster. You've got her all twisted up between her ethics and her instincts. I suppose you're proud of the result, but it's a fake. There's nothing... There's nothing fake about her principles. She doesn't have principles. All she has is you. Her shining example... She wants you to love and admire her, so she does what you expect. That's why Daddy's little girl always tells the truth. She does tell the truth. Always. And her father? I abominate lies. You won't even lie to yourself. Then tell me this. Weren't you happy when Lorna and I broke up? Didn't it save your happy home? I can see that coming here was a mistake. You're a hypocrite, Professor. This whole thing was your doing, and I'll never let you forget it. Goodbye, Mark. Wait a minute. There's something you should know. What's that? I'm being paroled next week. Tell that to your daughter. Maybe it'll improve her health. Of course I'm pleased, Harold. It's just that I'd much rather see a new book of mine published than a new edition of an old book. Well, you can't argue with success. People never seem to tire of the seven secrets of Shakespeare. I suppose I shouldn't complain. Does buy the groceries. <laughs> Just cash the royalty checks and be happy. Hmm? Now, uh, tell me how Lorna's doing. Feeling any better? Oh, still a bit run down, I guess. Well, that's too bad. I, um... I suppose you know that young man, Kramer, that he's out of prison. For about two months now, I gather. He, uh, hasn't been in touch with Lorna? No, and I don't think he will be. Funny thing is, he's been in touch with us. With you? What's that before? Well, actually, it seems he went to Merritt Bob's first. My first publishers? Yes, talked to everyone who would talk to him. Then he approached members of my own staff. He even tried to get an appointment with me. But I put him off. What do you suppose he wants? He's an embittered young man, you know. Well, I spoke to George Merritt. He didn't know about, uh... Well, about Lorna and this fellow Kramer. He thought Kramer was an article writer looking for biographical material. George said that he seemed to know an awful lot about you already. Mm, I, uh, I don't much like the idea of someone like that snooping into my life. Why? Why do you suppose he's doing it? Hard to say. Rancor, I suppose. Hopes he can find something unpleasant in my past. I'll get it, Lorna. Hello? Professor Kittredge? Yes? Mark Kramer, Professor. Oh. 
Uh, yes, I, uh, I was just speaking about you the other day with my publisher. I'd like to see you, Professor, this evening, if that's possible. See me? What honor? No, just you. Florida wants to be there, that's her business. Something tells me she'd rather stay away. Can you give me some idea of why you want to see me? You might say it's a business matter. Who is it, Daddy? What time would be good for you, Professor? Uh, make it, uh, about nine. I'll make it exactly nine. Daddy, you look so strange. Who was that on the phone? It was Mark Kramer, Lorna. Mark? He's asked me to see him at nine tonight. I have no idea what he wants to say, but whatever it is... I'm sure it won't be anything pleasant. I'd rather not be here. I didn't think you would. Mark blames me for what happened in court, not you. He refuses to admit that it was your own love of truth. My love of truth? <laughs> Daddy, you never understood me yourself. How could you explain me to someone else? I didn't love truth. I loved Mark. You did what you had to do. What your conscience told you to do. My conscience? Is that what I was satisfying? That small little voice inside it me? It can be a loud voice, darling. A very compelling but voice. But I still hear it. It's still talking to me. And you know what it's saying? You fool. You fool, you fool. Lorna. I think I'll go out now, Daddy. Right now. Good evening, Professor. Hello, Mark. Come in. Thank you. Nice of you to see me. I wasn't sure of my reception after the last time. I see you're using a cane these days, Professor. Yes, a touch of gout. Mark, I hope you weren't expecting to see Lorna. She's not here. No, I didn't expect to see her. Would, uh, would you care to come to the point of this visit? Yes, Professor. I'll come to the point. I've come to see you about truth. Oh, must we, Mark? Really? I mean, these philosophical discussions are meat and drink to old campus fogies like me, but I'm rather tired of the subject right now, very tired of it. Frankly, I'm a little exhausted by it myself. I've just spent two months in search of it, and I didn't even know what I was looking for. You've been digging up things about me, haven't you? I hope you enjoyed yourself. No, I didn't. You see, I made the mistake of talking to your enemies. The publishers you dropped, the friends you no longer see, the scholars you had disputes with. What did you get out of that? Nothing. Your enemies didn't have the truth about you, Professor. Only your friends did. Like Avery Hayes. Avery Hayes? Oh, I'm glad to see you remember the name. Strange how few people do. Even though you dedicated your fourth, or, or was it your fifth, book to him? George Merritt knew him, of course. Mr. Merritt called you Avery's benefactor. Said that Hayes was an alcoholic that you took care of for many years. He was my friend. Yes, he was a good friend. And you were good to him. That was one chapter of your past that you had every reason to be proud of, wasn't it? Avery's been dead for ten years. What did you want from him? Nothing, Professor. I just thought a man like that deserved a little recognition, if only for his past association with you. So I talked to people who knew him. His old pals, his family... He still has a brother alive, you know, a crotchety old fellow in the terminal ward at the county hospital. His name's Ezra. 
Perfect name for the old boy. And you know what? He still has the junk Hayes left when he died. That pitiful collection of books and papers. You don't expect me to believe that. About Avery's papers? Avery never kept anything, not a thing. He was a foolish, drunken old... He was also brilliant, wasn't he? Went to the university on a scholarship. You only beat him out for top honors because of his drinking. You're talking about 40 years He was drunk and he was dishonest too, wasn't he, Professor? That was how he sustained that wild life of his by selling his scholastic services to anybody who could pay for them. It's not different today. Yes. That's what Avery said in his letter. The one he wrote to a woman named Jean. I didn't know who Jean was or why Avery never mailed the letter, but there it was. Avery said he was cleaning up a hundred, two hundred dollars a month and would surely be able to pay back all he owed before the end of the semester. And then he mentioned the thesis. The big job he was doing that he expected three hundred for that job alone. You know which thesis I mean, Professor? Please go. Get out of here. I've had enough of this lying filth. The Seven Secrets of Shakespeare. Sounds like a mystery story, doesn't it? But it was quite a piece of work. And it became more than just a college thesis. It became a world-famous book. It made your reputation, Professor. You're a liar. A liar. You know nothing about it. You paid Avery for his work and put your name on it. You might have done as well yourself, but you were young and lazy and you had the money to pay for it. Then you discovered how good it really was and it was too late for both of you to change the course of history. Get out of this house now. Get out. I'm going, Professor. I just wanted you to hear this little story about truth. And also to tell you that I have Avery Hayes' letter. What did you say? I have his letter, Professor. It tells the whole story. Good night. Mark! You told me to go and I'm going. You filthy animal! Get rich! Get rich! Kill you, monster! I'll kill you! Kill you, you animal! Kill you! Like a wild! Wild beast! Oh, my God! What have you done? Lorna! Lorna! Oh, thank heaven you're here! Thank heaven! Look at his head! Oh, dear Lord! You saw what happened! What the crazy fool did, he, he attacked me. You killed him with your cane. He attacked me, Lorna. You know how much he hated me? I had to defend no, myself. No, I saw what happened. I saw you strike him from behind. No, Kitty, no. He tried to kill me. That's why I oh, hit him. Daddy, I saw everything. You killed Mark. You did it deliberately. And that's the truth. You always taught me to tell the truth. It's the only important thing. The truth. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. said, All I mean by truth is the road I can't help traveling. Well, Professor Kitteridge traveled his road, and despite his good intentions, it turned out to be the road to hell. I'll be back shortly. Hello, this is Joe Franklin. Ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, for the very latest in nostalgia, for the ultimate in remembering, please join with me on Saturday nights from 9.05 to 11 o'clock, where memories are truly happening right here over WOR Radio. It is my privilege to present... Radio's original memory lane program, but positively the original. And whether it's Al Jolson or Benny Goodman or Louis Armstrong or Eddie Cantor or Harry James or the Dorseys, Mario Lanza, Gene Krupa, the young Frank Sinatra, George M. Cohan, Bing Crosby, Bogart, Lombard, Cagney, 
and all those happy times of radios, comedy, and drama, and soap opera. We have it. We have it fascinatingly, and all the sounds are reproduced crystal clear Saturday nights from 9.05 till 11 over WOR Radio. Yours truly, Joe Franklin, hosting Memory Lane. Tune in. If there is a moral to the story you've just heard, it's not that truth is so bad. But Samuel Butler said, truth should not be absolutely lost sight of, but it should not be talked about. And we promise that's our last word on the subject. Our cast included Agnes Moorhead, Mandel Kramer, Santa Sotega, Ian Martin, and Dan Arco. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. I swear to Sam Hill, Ethan, you deliver. After the twelfth stroke of the hourglass clock's chime, there was no sound but the beat of the clock and my own heart. Everything else had stopped dead. My friend's mouth was frozen in the act of speaking. His hand poised over a chessman as though cast in bronze. Outside, like the old child's game, people had turned to statues. A car backing into a parking space was stopped in its tracks. For everyone else in the world, save only me and that damnable clock, Time was standing still. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Mystery Theater was brought to you by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less, and by Suburban Savings, with offices throughout North Jersey. The preceding Mystery Theater program was furnished by the CBS Radio Network. The Late News is next at 9, followed by Joe Franklin and Memory Lane here on WOR New York, an RKO General Station. Good evening. News at 9 from the WOR Newsroom. This is Bill Maher reporting. The fast-paced Secretary of State is in New York for the weekend. He'll be meeting tomorrow with U.N. Secretary General Kurt Waldheim to fill him in on the diplomatic goings-on that brought about a settlement between Israel and Egypt. Just what the Secretary's plans for today and this evening are, nobody's saying. One of the Secretary's favorite companions, Nancy McGinnis, lives in New York. But all aides will say about Kissinger's plans is he has personal business. President Nixon can be impeached for abuses of political power, even though he may not have violated criminal law. This, according to a study just released by the New York Bar Association. The U.S. Constitution says the president can be impeached for, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors. According to the Bar Association's report, this phrase comes from English law, 
and refers to acts which undermine the integrity of the government, as well as purely criminal acts. Among those activities designated by the report as impeachable were corruption of flagrant abuse, corruption or flagrant abuse, rather, of power, acts which undermine the public trust, and acts performed by presidential appointees that constitute high crimes and misdemeanors if unchecked by the president. The upcoming trial of two former cabinet members has prompted the Senate Watergate Committee to postpone its public hearing schedule to begin Tuesday. Committee Chairman Sam Irvin says the panel is putting off the hearings to avoid possibly prejudicing the trial of former Attorney General John Mitchell and former Commerce Secretary Maurice Stans. No new date for the hearing has been set. A spokesman for the Capitol Hill leadership has said the Democrats in Congress will cooperate with President Nixon in meeting the energy crisis. But, said California Democratic, uh, Democrat John McFall, the White House must reciprocate. McFall spoke on national radio in response to President Nixon's energy address last week. The congressman said the first positive step the administration could take is to withdraw its opposition to a provision of the Emergency Energy Act attacking excessive oil company profits. The captain of that Bulgarian fishing vessel seized off the New Jersey shore today for allegedly fishing within the 12-mile U.S. coastal limit has denied his trawler trespassed. The captain, Peter Todorov Donchev, said in New York, where he was brought by the Coast Guard, that his vessel was 13 and a half miles out to sea when his ship was overtaken by the Coast Guard cutter Unimac. Turkish officials still are seeking an explanation for a jetliner crash which claimed the lives of at least 62 persons this morning. The plane went down shortly after takeoff from Izmir, causing what authorities call the worst air disaster in Turkey's history. The U.S. Embassy in Ankara says two of those killed were identified as New Jersey residents, Dr. and Mrs. Horace Gerard of 41 Knox Road in Tenafly. Well, 51% of the population is female, and Governor Brendan Byrne isn't taking chances with their votes. The New Jersey governor has spoken before the state's first meeting of female public servants, and he promised to give serious consideration to the problems facing women. Byrne asked the group assembled in Princeton for help in recruiting qualified women for jobs in state government. The governor said he has tried to appoint a woman as state education commissioner, but said he received virtually no applications from females. The weather for New York City and vicinity, mild with occasional rain tonight and again tomorrow. Low tonight in the low 40s, high Sunday in the mid-50s, mostly cloudy Sunday night, and Monday with a chance of showers Sunday night in the low Sunday night in the low 40s. At the moment in cloudy midtown Manhattan with some very light rain falling, the temperature at 44 degrees, humidity 86%, wind southeast at 4 miles per hour, the barometer 30.21 and falling. That's the news at 9. Bill Maher in the WOR Newsroom. Your AMC dealers got the all-new mid-size car that economizes on everything but comfort. That car, the roomy 74 Matador. And another important advantage. Our 74 Matador comes with an economical six-cylinder engine as standard equipment. And consider this. Matador is the only new mid-size car backed by all the benefits of the exclusive AMC buyer protection plan. Which means that under normal usage and accepting tires, if anything AMC did goes wrong with your new 74 Matador in the first 12 months or 12,000 miles, we'll fix or replace it free. Come in today. Meet the unbeatable combination. 74 Matador, backed by the AMC Buyer Protection Plan. See your AMC dealer where you get a good deal and a good deal more. 
And stay tuned for Joe Franklin's Memory Lane next on WOR New York and RKO General Station. <laughs> 